0: Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBRI podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBRI, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Senior Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk, and we're recording off the back a quite volatile period uh, in markets with a number of major economic data releases and central bank announcements in the past couple of weeks or so. What have we seen in markets since our last episode? Well, the US dollar has been broadly weaker, having sold off against most G10 and emerging market currencies amid signs of an easing in US inflation and a general improvement in risk appetite. The Federal Reserve delivered a hawkish pause at its policy announcement last week. Uh, There was no change in rates, but the Fed did indicate in its dot plot that two more hikes could be on the way during the remainder of this year, with no interest rate cuts on the horizon. But the market is not quite bought into this, with Fed Fund's futures effectively unchanged following the meeting. The ECB also met last week and, as expected, raised interest rates by 25 basis points, Although delivered a hawkish message saying that inflation had been too high for too long, with Lagarde, President Lagarde that is effectively pre-committing to another rate increase in July. We've also seen a fresh move higher in sterling after yet another up- upside surprise in UK inflation, with the core rate rising to a fresh three decade high. The Bank of England is set to meet this coming Thursday and may well have already done so at the time that this podcast is released. But markets are currently seeing a decent chance of a 50 basis point rate hike. Meanwhile, emerging market currencies have performed rather well, notably the commodity dependent ones, amid hopes of an economic recovery in China. But first of all, we're going to start with the central bank announcements that we saw last week. Firstly, the Federal Reserve, which, as I said, held interest rates steady, no surprises there while indicating in its dot plot that two more interest rate hikes could be on the way during the remainder of 2023, which was much more hawkish than most of the market had expected. Is this a bit excessive or in line with our expectations? What do you both think and why has the dollar failed to capitalize on this hawkish shift? Well,
1: um, I don't think two more hikes is excessive at all. I mean, inflation, again, we've had some... Good news at the margin on U.S. inflation, but you look at uh, the old the, the the most stable indicator of inflation traditionally, which has been core inflation, excluding food and energy, the more volatile components. And if you look at the monthly print, it's been steady now for at least six months. I believe eight months of uh, printing at an annualized equivalent of around five percent. Of this 5%, it's, it's still massively above the Federal Reserve target at 2%. Uh, we have uh, overnight interest rates that are barely above 5%, so essentially in line with inflation. Uh, real rates, meaning nominal rates minus inflation, are still hovering around zero by this, this measure. And while it does seem that uh, core inflation has Stabilizing is no longer going up. It's I I I remained a little bit surprised by this implicit assumption by so many in the markets that zero percent real rates are sufficient, not only to bring that inflation from five to two percent, but to do it so quickly that as early as twenty twenty four we'll be able to enjoy cuts. So here in this this sort of uh disagreement between markets and the Fed as to the next as to as to the next uh few meetings, I'm tended to side with the Fed and think that we yeah, we will get at least two two hikes.
2: So definitely the uh, tone of the Fed meeting was hawkish, uh, particularly the dot plot, which showed this two additional rate increases this year. Uh, Although, as Matthew said, I I don't think that the markets believe the Fed and that it will indeed hike by uh, those 50 basis points markets are leaning towards a 25 basis point increase and uh, i would be leaning towards that increase as well right now uh, i would think that uh, perhaps the fed would be able to end the hiking cycle already Uh, and i'm relatively encouraged by the inflation data that we receive we are seeing that the inflation measures are coming down Uh, Although, as Enrique mentioned, some measures of underlying inflation, uh, if we look at the monthly uh, changes and annualize them, mm, they still point to underlying inflation hovering around this uh, 5%. So potentially this could be calling for some action from the Fed. And if we look at the Fed's rhetoric and President Powell's uh, press conference, uh, he clearly framed it not that they are pausing, but that they are slowing down the pace of rate increases considering how much they have done already and also there are some signs uh, of progress achieved uh, on the inflation front and on the other fronts such as the labour market front Uh, we are seeing some loosening there although only tentative signs Uh, we are also seeing some uh, I think weaker economic activity but also uh, to a limited extent so perhaps the Fed will have to deliver something more uh, but I would agree with markets that uh, the one increase is probably a way to go right now. Unless, of course, we are going to see significant upside surprises to uh, underlying inflation. And when it comes to why the uh, dollar did not uh, rally so much, why did the euro dollar uh, is higher? Uh, it's clear that uh, to me that it comes down to market pricing. We have seen a very significant reaction of uh, rate Price expectations uh, in the Eurozone uh, and a relatively muted one in the US. So we are looking at 20. basis point increase uh, in the Eurozone at year end versus what was before those meetings. In the US, it's more like 10 basis points or even less. Uh, So I think it largely uh, comes down to to this, that the markets just believe the European Central Bank a bit more, um, because I think that the message that President Lagarde sent was much stronger and uh, diverged much more significantly from what the markets were expecting. She effectively pointed to a july hike and i don't think that the decision makers are closing the door to more tightening right now
0: yes i mean even taking that into account i still think that the r- lack of reaction we saw in the dollar was a little bit surprising well, i think we were certainly uh, expecting a pretty non-committal stance i mean i wasn't personally expecting any change in the dot plots. so the fact that they penciled in two more hikes um, and the dollar uh, didn't really uh, gain off the back of it to me i think that's um That's quite a surprising um, development. Great, now let's move on, and we're going to talk about last week's European Central Bank announcement. Um, The Governing Council, as I mentioned, hiked interest rates by another 25 basis points, as was fully priced in by markets. Uh, The move itself was seen as a hawkish hike, with the bank signalling that more rate increases are on the way. The statement itself also um, stated that inflation in the eurozone had been too high for too long, while the bank's uh, core inflation projections were revised up quite significantly um, by 0.5 percentage points for both 2023 and 2024. In a press conference, Lagarde explicitly noted that there was more ground to cover, while warning that markets can expect another rate increase uh, at the July meeting. Uh, As we mentioned, the euro's performed, or the euro did perform, quite well following the announcement, up around one percent on the um, on the US dollar, with euro dollar now trading back above the 109 level. So it does seem that the market is coming around to our view that um, ECB rates of four percent or even higher could be on the way. What do you both think? Are you are you more confident in our call for for ECB rates of above four percent? And what do you make in general? of this continued hawkish stance from the ECB?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, even more comfortable that we're going to see rates above uh, 4%. I also think it's important to contrast the reaction of the currencies to uh, hawkish rhetoric from the Fed versus actual hikes in addition to the the hawkish rhetoric from the ECB. And that's the reason why we saw the the euro uh, end up the week Uh, as the clear winner of the two. I I think that... um, we are in, we entered into a into a world in which uh rhetoric and uh genetic expressions of concern on the part of the central banks about what's happening with inflation are not enough. Uh like I said, real rates are still very low, uh, close to zero at best in most of the G ten, still negative in many places. Um core inflation seems to be um stuck almost everywhere at Yes, it's interestingly enough, uh the similar levels around five percent uh, across the world. And um that uh the, the the realization is that uh I I find it difficult to see any central bank pausing uh the rate hike cycle and and calling the top in rates uh while Overnight rates continue to remain below inflation, so below uh, what core inflation is. So um, I I think that we need to see at least 0% real rates in every economic area before we can be confident that a pause is coming.
2: I already covered uh, the topic in in part, Uh, although let me add that uh, what I took away from the meeting was that the messaging was very consistent uh, across both the statement, uh, what President Lagarde said, and also the uh, projections. That we have received, uh, the ECB is uh, clearly looking at the labor market. Uh, President Lagarde mentioned a number of times uh, unit labor costs, and uh, this, uh, which the situation in the labor market, and in particular those unit labor costs, uh, are higher and are uh, leading to a, a an increase in the expectations of underlying inflation in the eurozone, which, in turn, means that the European Central Bank uh, will probably have to uh, do more. Uh, than it previously uh, thought. Uh, So I'm more comfortable in calling for continued hikes from the ECB uh, in the upcoming meetings. Uh, I think that uh, we are probably going to get uh, two hikes, Mm, but uh, also uh, I would be uh, focused on the upcoming inflation prints and labour market data from the Eurozone Although contrary to the US, unfortunately in the eurozone, we have much uh, less of the labor market indicators uh, and they are certainly uh, much less timely. In the US, we practically get data that allow us to see the situation every week. In the eurozone, some of the key indicators are released only quarterly uh, with a uh, notable lag. Uh, but uh, I'm more comfortable in expecting hikes from the ECB and in our euro dollar forecasts.
1: Yeah, Roman. Uh, you bring up a very interesting uh, fact, which is the uh, this concern of the part of the ECB on the possibility of uh, the uh, uh, secondary effect on inflation as inflation pushes up, which demands, which demands in turn uh, result into higher inflation. Do you? It's, it's, it's an interesting question whether the eurozone, uh, because of its relatively uh, rigid labor market legislation whether uh, that's a, a dynamic that is specific to the to the eurozone and may actually keep infl- make it more difficult to bring down inflation in the eurozone back to the two percent that it may be in the us or even in the uk what do you think
2: i, I don't think it's a eurozone only problem i think that something uh, similar might be taking place in the uk Uh, But definitely labor markets uh, all across the world are uh, much stronger than expected, or in most places at least. Uh, And uh, they can, uh, if they are not matched with a uh, rising productivity to the same extent, they can result in additional inflationary pressures. So I think that it's uh, good that the decision makers are concerned about it. uh, And uh, they should, of course, uh, react to that uh, if if that takes place.
0: (laughs) Great. I, mean, I think that, that leads on quite nicely to the uh, the third part of our, our podcast episode, which is uh, covering the, the sort of general global inflation outlook. Um, on that, we've seen some relatively contrasting news in the past few weeks. Um, we've far from seeing it all clear on the inflation front just yet. But we are perhaps beginning to see signs of, of disinflation in, in the US, at least. Um, the headline measure of inflation there fell to just 4% in May, which was slightly below expectations and its lowest level since March 2021. At the core rate, um, which as a recap, uh, excludes the volatile components such as food and energy, has proved slightly more sticky, although um, even this fell to 5.3%, which is lowest level in a year and a half it's been a relatively similar story in the eurozone. Um, the headline measure there fell to just 6.1% in May, which is lowest level since February 2022. Well, the core rate finally appears to be easing, um, again, also falling to 5.3% down from the 5.7% peak. Uh, but over to you both. Are we starting to see signs of a more material normalisation in these key inflation prints? Uh, and what are your sort of general thoughts on the, the global inflation outlook and its implications for markets?
1: I mean, there's no doubt that the latest number in the U.S. was was a bit of a relief. I think that um, we are seeing some very very tentative. Th- signs of an easing in core inflation which by the way i I focus on almost uh, exclusively because um, the reality is that it's it's the best predictor of what inflation will be next year is where core inflation is today uh that is like uh like matthew said excluding the volatile food and energy components um again that said, that you know we have to acknowledge the the reasonably good news in the U.S. But again, like we, like I said before, um, that core inflation seems to uh, have fallen mostly due to uh, to base effects, to to high months dropping off the twelve month uh, window. Um, we're still seeing very consistent prints every month of a zero point four percent a month inflation in the core index, that is compatible with five percent. 5%, frankly, is what we're seeing uh, once we exclude the different ways uh, inflation is measured in different uh, economic areas. Uh, 5% seems to be a pretty a pretty standard uh, and a pretty uh, sticky level of inflation across uh, the advanced, the industrialized economies. Um, overall, it's not going up, uh, but it's also not going down. Uh, there's a good chance that they will become entrenched as uh, consumers and, in particular,ly workers start figuring a five percent inflation into their wage demands, and I think this is what has prompted this this sort of hawkish reaction that we've seen. That this fresh turn to hawkiness that we're seeing. we saw in the European Central Bank and the Federal Reserve next week, and I think we'll see it uh, as well tomorrow in the Bank of England. That uh, central banks are not as blasé about uh, how fast inflation will return to to target as markets seem to be. And in this in this discussion I'm inclined to agree with the central banks rather than the market.
2: I think I'm more optimistic on inflation than Enrique is. And I'm encouraged by the uh, declines in the headline inflation that we have seen uh, across uh, a number of uh, main economies. Uh, although, of course, to an extent, uh, this is a materialization of the statistical base effect. Um, however, there are a number of developments uh, that make me more positive when it comes to the inflation outlook, uh, such as primarily the uh, reversal of the energy shock that we have seen. We are seeing that the energy costs have uh, dropped quite uh, significantly looking at the uh, oil prices, gas prices etc. There are some uh, also uh, indicators of for instance food inflation the world uh, food inflation index has also uh, declined uh, quite consistently so one of the uh, two main shocks that happened and one influenced the other so the energy shock influenced the food price shock they they uh, appear to be reversing and it is shown in some indicators which uh and when it comes to current inflation uh, i would i would think that there are two parts so one part is a uh, part that is making me a bit uneasy and the policymakers worldwide and this part is that the labor market is tight and it can produce additional uh, up, uh pressure on uh um, core inflation to increase, but at the same time, uh, I think that uh, one of the main reasons why core inflation is high uh, and the reason that is making me optimistic uh, about it coming down at, at uh, some point is that it uh, describes uh, a delayed effect of the shocks that I mentioned. So the energy shock, uh, etc. those shocks, they have rolled through the headline inflation numbers and they are rolling through the core inflation numbers, but it will take some time until they exit this core inflation. So I think that to an extent, a core inflation is a better predictor of future inflation than headline inflation, because it is less influenced by this uh, energy and food prices. But it's not to say that it's not entirely influenced by those shocks. So to an extent, this is backward looking. So um, I'm... a bit more optimistic uh, in what I'm seeing. Perhaps some more tightening will be uh, important to do, especially in areas such as the United Kingdom. Uh, But uh, I think uh, in some time we'll get to the right point.
0: And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.